just for a moment, just for a moment, since you are standing, since you are standing, since you're up, since you're up with me, okay, just for a moment. Let me just give, read you one verse. Let me just one verse. Matthew 16, 24. And I'll let you be seated. Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up, give up your own way. You must deny yourself. I want to make sure we understand what that means. Okay? We all have a way. We all have a will. We all have a desire. Some of you right now, you've been in constant struggle because it's your will versus God's will. And this is why you keep losing because his will is meant to prevail. His will is better. I promise you it is. And when you will be willing to deny yourself, take up your cross. What is that? That's God's will for my life. The cross for Jesus was clearly the will of God for his life. What is your cross? What is God's will for your life? Take that up and follow me. Disciples in this room today, Pastor Bethel, are those that we can ultimately say they're not following their own way. They've denied themselves, and I can see them doing God's will, and they're following Jesus Christ. Real disciples in this house, can you identify yourself and say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. Briefly, can we thank Pastor Olga for the word she delivered last Sunday to us? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Olga, for understanding your assignment. Can I get just a little bit more here, sir? I'm not going to try to be long because I do really feel like God is going to break something today and release something for us today in his presence. Amen? So if you will just do me the favor to back me up. If you've never been in this church before, I'm an audience participation, participation kind of preacher. I, just, I like you to talk to me, okay? Don't, don't look at your phone unless you're looking up a scripture. Don't, don't, don't talk to your neighbor unless I encourage you to do so, okay? Talk to me, okay? Let's make sure that the word of God comes alive in this service today. And usually what happens is when I respond to it, okay, not, not just out of emotional or religious reaction, but when I respond to the word of God, the word of God will do what only it can do in my life. So here today, we've been on this series called I Misunderstood the Assignment. Many of you, you, you have seen those TikToks. Maybe you performed a couple of those TikToks where you have, uh, I understood the assignment, I understood the assignment, whatever. Okay, don't sing the rest of the song, please. If you ever heard it, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, I pray the Lord cleanse your ears today. But to, under, to, to basically say, pop, the popular way of saying I understood the assignment is basically saying I've succeeded. I've gone above and beyond. I, I, I've completed the, the task, and I did so in such an awesome way that I'm going I'm to make sure the rest of the world knows how great I am. And so we praise you. Hey, you understood the assignment. You look amazing today. Wow, that was so awesome what you did. On the flip side of that, to say I misunderstood the assignment is to mean I failed epically. Can I get a witness from anybody who has ever just, I've just fallen flat on my face. Failed epically. Here's what I believe about the resurrection. Here's what I believe about the, the, the ascension of Jesus. Here's what I believe. Jesus understood and fulfilled his assignment. Can I get an amen from somebody who still believes the death and resurrection of Jesus is proof that he understood and fulfilled his assignment. And can I just take it back, old church, just for a quick moment, just for a brief moment. When I think about Jesus and all he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and literally how he done set me free, there's something on the inside of me that has to respond to what he's done. Sometimes I clap, sometimes I shout, sometimes I dance, sometimes I spin, sometimes I, I lose my mind, but it's when my mind goes to what he's done. All he's done. I recognize he fulfilled his assignment. He understood it and completed it. So if you believe that Jesus, Jesus gave his all, 
Why do at least American Christians feel like we can give him anything less than our all? Come on, American Christians, nod your head at me. Even if you just got, you're working out a little crick in your neck, yeah. If he gave his all, where did we come to the understanding that he deserves anything less than the mile? If you want to really be my disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross and daily follow after me. I am so thankful for every man and woman in this church that fulfills the assignment God has placed on their life, even when they don't feel like it. Can you just take a moment to say, thank you, Lord, for every greeter and every usher and every sound person and every musician and every singer, everyone who serves in children's ministry, even when they don't feel like it, they're fulfilling an assignment. And I want to show you something real quick. This happened, this actually happened in November. Pastor Brian, my brother-in-law, knows this gentleman. So let's just show him that video quick. We'll play it twice because this is so cool. Watch it one more time. Watch it one more time. Come on, somebody. Did he not fulfill his assignment? I'm flat on my face, but I still fulfilled what I'm supposed to do. Even if you're falling right now, I'm going to keep doing what God called me to do. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. Because here's what it, it's going to lead to my first point. If you're taking notes, write this down. There's a level that I will never grow to if I never grow through what I'm going through. I'll say it again. There's a level I will never grow to if I never grow through what I'm currently growing through. How many believe that God doesn't want you to stay right where you are? Come on, how many believe that? God's got a, a higher place, a higher plateau from, from level to level, from grace to grace, from glory to glory. But I, I, as much as I want to tell somebody God's got higher and greater for you, guess what? If you won't grow through what you're going through right now, you will never achieve this place God has called you to. So I, when, I, when, I, when I look at Scripture and, and, and I filter my life through Scripture, Scriptures ultimately tell me that Every time I've been blessed, I was blessed because of something I was going through. I mean, think about it like this, right? Have you ever been blessed without going through something first? I, I, seriously, you, remember when you were broke, but God brought the financial blessing? Yeah. I could say I'm blessed because I was going through something. How, how about that time when you, when you were afraid, but then God blessed you with his presence and brought you peace? Maybe, how about that time when you just felt so alone and so mistreated and so misunderstood and, and God brought you into this place where you're no longer alone, you have a family. God blessed you with a family of like-minded believers. Here's, here's what I know, because this may contradict your theology. God doesn't cause your trouble. No, God uses your trouble to grow you. He doesn't cause it. He uses it to grow you. Here's, you don't believe me? Let's go to the scriptures. The psalmist said this in Psalms 119.71 because I recognize some people think that God causes every one of my problems, that, that it's on him. No, he uses your problems. Here's what I know. It was good for me that I was afflicted. I don't really like this verse. It was good for me that I was afflicted. I can't find anything good about the affliction unless I grow through what I'm going through because I will learn his statutes. Literally, I get to learn his word if I would just grow through what I'm going through. Let me give you a couple examples in, in, in scripture. What did affliction do for the Israelites? The Bible tells us that they, they were in a foreign land, Egypt. It wasn't their own. 
Exodus tells us that ultimately the Pharaoh began to see how they, how, how they were growing in number. And so he wanted literally to, 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 to have the firstborns killed off uh, uh, sons. But, but look what happened in scripture. Uh, Exodus 1.12 tells us this. But the more that the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, the more they afflicted the Israelites, the more problems they caused for the Israelites, the more they came against the Israelites, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. I just want to remind somebody, you can't have victory without having some kind of oppression. You can't have uh, you can't have freedom without the enemy trying to keep you bound. You cannot have a crown without first experiencing a cross. Here's what I do know. My grandpa used to preach this all the time. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Christians, we love to shout when we come out of trouble, but I dare some to shout the moment trouble shows up at your front door because I have learned that somehow, some way, God is going to bring me out of this thing and he's going to get the glory while I'm in the middle of it. Uh, the next time I hear somebody just shouting randomly for some reason, did you get victory? No, I'm about to go into battle. <laughs> but I'm going to see God get the glory from this thing. Oh, man. I look at these verses, Rev, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't want the afflictions. <laughs> I don't want the trouble. I don't want the oppression. I don't want the problem. But here's what I do seem to see. When God wants me to flourish, he sends an enemy to afflict. So he can show me I'm going to be the one to deliver you out of this too. Exodus 3. I'm going to just hang out here for a little bit today. Exodus 3. Verse 7. It says, then the Lord, speaking here to Moses, says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Verse 10. Here's what he tells Moses to do. God says this, now go. Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. For those of us who believe God has put a destiny, a purpose, a calling, an assignment on our life. One more time, just let Satan know. He ain't done with me yet. God ain't done with me yet. Huh. Yeah, Satan ain't done with me either, but God ain't done with me yet. God's not done with me yet. Here's the second thing I want to show you from what God is speaking to Moses. He said, I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people. Here's my second point today. Purpose. It's another way of saying my assignment. Purpose requires that I have a proper perception of me. That you have a proper perception of you. I'm sending you, Moses. You will lead my people out. Purpose really tells me I need to have a proper perception of who I am. Because the, the course and quality of my life isn't predicated on, on how I see God. Many times the, the course and quality of my life is predicated on how I see me. Now before you go thinking this is a self-help message, listen to me. You're not going to like me by the end of the sermon. If this is all about just give me something that's going to help me. I need you to see you for who God has called you to be. 
And, and the problem doesn't come necessarily with how we see God. The problem comes with how we look at ourselves. You, you understand, God is omnipotent. But you cannot see God as omnipotent. That means all-powerful if you don't look in the mirror and see that you yourself are a little bit stronger because of who he is. You can't, you can't see God as omniscient. Omniscient means all-knowing. So you can't look at God and say God is all-knowing without looking in the mirror and say, I'm a little bit wiser because of who God is. You, you cannot look at God and say he's the everlasting father without looking back in the mirror and say, if he's the everlasting father, then I'm an ever-loved son. I'm an ever-loved daughter. He called me to be his own. And so when I see him right... I'm going to see myself right because I am in him. He is in me. So my perception of God impacts my perception of myself. Purpose requires that I have proper perception of me. Let me clarify real quick what I mean. I don't, by perception, I don't mean your vision. Okay. I don't mean your vision. Okay, Looking in the mirror and be like, I'm 41 and I got no pimples today. Hella good. It's so weird. How can you be 41 and still get acne? Don't, 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 yeah, don't, don't anybody say amen. With all that makeup you got covering up, you look good today. Amen. But when, when, when I look in the mirror, I'm not, I'm not talking about my vision. I'm not talking about what I see here. I'm talking about my insight. What I, what I see on the inside See, see, proper vision looks at Goliath and says, I need to run. That guy's huge. Proper vision looks at the cross and says, says I need to run. This thing is really going to hurt. Proper vision looks at Pharaoh and says, there's probably no way Pharaoh is going to let God's people go. That's what proper vision says. But when you have proper insight, you don't run away from Goliath. You look inside and you ultimately say, I'm running towards that giant because he has defied the armies of the living God and the same God who helped me defeat the lion, the same God who helped me defeat the bear is the same God that's going to help me take down this uncircumcised Philistine. When you have proper insight, you don't run from the cross. You look forward with the joy that was said before you and you endure its shame. When you have proper insight, family of God, you don't avoid Pharaoh. You say, I know who God has called me to be and I will face Pharaoh up and I will accept the assignment God has for me to fulfill. Because I know this, you are from God, dear children. You are of God, dear children, and greater is he that is in you than anything else that is in this world. Somebody let the enemy know today the greater one is on the inside, and it's not about how big the giant is that I see. It's how big the God is on the inside of me. Proper insights allows me to see myself for who God has called me to be. You are from God. And you have overcome. Why? Because greater. See that is in me. Keep reading the verse 11, Exodus 3. Verse 11. I love Moses' honesty. But Moses protested to God. Who am I? Who am I to appear? Who am I to go and stand before Pharaoh? Who? Who? Who am I? 
I'm, I'm the guy who killed an Egyptian, tried to hide the body, act like everything was all good, like nothing at all happened. And then when I saw two Hebrews fighting, I tried to break it up and tell them, you guys shouldn't be acting this way. We, we're, we're brothers and we should stand together. And then they call me out on my own crap. Hello, somebody. And now I take off running and I'm 40 years away. Yeah, 40 years away from the sin I committed. I'm all good out here. Who am I that you would, that you would have me up here before Pharaoh? Who am I? to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt. I want to skip ahead to, to the next chapter because I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for, for somebody like Moses because I feel like him a lot of times. Moses protested in chapter 3, verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Moses protested again. What if they do not believe me <laughs> or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Anyone else has ever had, had a word or a revelation from God and you try telling somebody else and they're just like, come on. God did not appear to you and say that. No, 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 that's not a face of Jesus in your Cheeto. I'm sorry, that is, that is not what is happening here. He's not Jesus. Hello, his name is Jesus. You did not get, and what if they don't believe me when I tell them you sent me? What if they say God did not appear to you? And Moses said again, verse 10, Moses said again to, to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, but I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you started speaking to me as your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. That simply what, what Moses is saying here, more than likely scholars have said he probably had some kind of stutter or, or stammer when, when he spoke. And so he said, I'm, I'm slow of speech. I'm, I'm slow of tongue. Verse 13, Moses said again to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Have you ever had a debate with God and you thought, I'm going to win this by telling God, why me? Send someone else. I'm not enough. Send someone else. I'm not adequate. Send someone else, which leads to my third point. God won't allow you to use your inadequacies as an excuse to exempt yourself from your assignments. I know it feels good to tell God I can't, but God will not allow you to use your inadequacies as an excuse to exempt yourself. What it's called you to be. God reveals Moses' assignment. He says, I'm sending you. You must lead my people. God says that to Moses. And what does Moses say back to God? All Moses wants to talk about is his inadequacies. Who am I? I'm not eloquent. I've got a stutter. Send someone else. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but, but if you can act like you're working out a crick in your neck again, can you just simply nod your head and say, yeah, that sounds a lot like me. God can't use me. God shouldn't use me. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not educated enough. I haven't been in church long enough. I don't know him enough. When I get in trouble, I don't run to God. I run from God. When temptation comes, I don't get on my knees and pray. I give in to that temptation, boy, and I love every minute of it. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not educated. I'm not holy enough. I'm still tempted. I still struggle. I still fall. I still give in. FYI, for your information, only God can determine who is and isn't good enough. Only God can determine who is and isn't exempt. Only God can determine who is and isn't qualified. Only God can determine who is dirty, who is righteous, who is going to get the glory from his life because he'll use a dirty sinner just like he'll use a righteous saint. 
only God can determine for your information. And I found another acronym, I-C-Y-F, in case you forgot. God didn't pick you. You know, you didn't pick God. God called you out. He didn't just call you because he thought there was something about you he could use. He saw you before he formed you in your mother's womb. And he said, even though they've messed up, even though they're screwed up, even though they've fallen time and time again, I didn't pick God. God picked me. God picked me. God picked you. I don't get why I said that. And people are just like, yeah, okay, next point. There are like 7 billion people on the planet right now. And God picked you. He picked you. And if he picked me, then he's not going to allow me to use my inadequacy. Because he picked me in spite of my inadequacy. Can I just be honest? We have no excuse. We make them. But we have none. I, I, I just need somebody to testify. It's easy to make every excuse under the sun. I know people hate when I do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's why you'll come to church on Easter and Christmas and find an excuse the other 50 Sundays out of the year. Wow. This is why I'll serve for a time, but then I'll pull back. I found excuses. Can I just help somebody? You know what really helps with burnout? You want to know what helps with burnout? Not to quit. You know what helps with burnout? To get back into the presence. Uh, Pastor Olga told you this last week. When he says no, just get a little closer. Oh, my God. I know how many times in this walk with God I was feeling burnout. And you know what the problem was? It wasn't that God was far away. It was that I got so caught up in doing what I was doing, I forgot to get back to where I belong. In his presence. My God. I have to remind myself constantly that he didn't pick me. Right? Or I didn't pick him. I did not pick him. Let me clarify because I don't want to say it wrong. I did not pick him. I didn't just show up at church one Sunday. I need a savior because I'm a sinner. He called me. He destined me. Amen. And if he picked me, I don't have any excuse. I have no excuse. Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. And you know what God does in response? Same thing he does to you when you try making excuses. Look at verse 14. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. <laughs> you want to make God mad? Just keep making excuses. You want to make God mad? Just keep making exemptions for yourself. I think of the New Testament parable where Jesus says that you know, this feast was, was, was prepared and, and he sent out the, the master sent out the servant. To everyone let him know that everything's ready. And guess what happened? They started making excuses. I can't come. I just bought a field. I got to go check it out. I can't come. I, I just bought some oxen. I, I need to go check them out. I can't come. I, I just got married. They were making excuses. And, and family, guess what happened? The master got angry. 
and said, forget them then. Go ahead and get everybody else. Go to the highways and the byways. Get the, get the lame and the sick and the sinner and, and the oppressed. Bring them in that my house may be full. Before Christ comes, I might see more and more righteous people no longer coming to church, but I am going to see prostitutes and gangbangers and drug addicts and people who are lost and bound by greed and struggles and sins and homosexuals and lesbians and people who have not been welcome in church. They're going to see the door wide open to them to come on in that his house might be full. Amen. 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 So the Lord's anger burns against Moses because he's like, bro, enough with your excuses. Fine. Okay, fine. Then I'm going to use your brother. Your brother Aaron, he's a Levite. I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. God already knows. He's already sending someone to help. He will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him, put words in his mouth, and I will help you both speak and teach you what to do. Here's my next point. If God's going to send an Aaron to help Moses, then here's what you need to know. In order to accomplish your assignment, you're going to need assistance. And God has promised to send you a helper. He has promised to give you a helper. Yes, Moses, I acknowledge you are inadequate. Yes, Moses, I acknowledge you have a speech problem. Yes, Moses, I acknowledge you're making me a little angry right now. So Moses, I've already tapped someone on the shoulder. He's a helper, and he's going to come, and he's going to be there to help you do what I've called you to do, Moses, because you keep making excuses. So I'll send a helper so you have no more excuse. And he sends Aaron. And Aaron is a metaphor for a paraclete. A, a paraclete is the, it comes from the Latin word paracletus. Paraclete just simply means an advocate. Paraclete means a helper. In Christian terms, we know him as the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you a paraclete. A helper, an advocate, and he will be with you forever. Somebody praise God that when he assigns you, he also sends someone to assist you. I'm not in this alone. Not in this alone. Okay, I, I understand, and forgive me because it's really warm in this room, okay? So I'm just going to, it is. My God, we went from, from winter to summer. So you don't understand what a, what a paraclete is necessarily. So let me do it like this. You understand what a, I'm going to hang on to this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's wonderful. Look at her. He, she thought I needed an assistance for my assignment. And just a minute, Miss Autumn. Thank you. I don't know what a, a paraclete is always maybe, but I, I know what a parachute is. You know what a parachute does, right? A parachute doesn't stop me from falling. It just slows my fall. <laughs> So the ground don't kill me when I hit it. Ooh, I've got a helper who he doesn't always stop me from falling. But I thank God. Somebody better praise God that every time I fall, I've got one who is right there to convict me, to speak to me, to remind me. Guess what the righteous does? The righteous falls seven times, but I've got an assistant. He's like a parachute. I don't fall and die. I 
fall and then I get back up again. This is the role of my helper. He's my parachute. I'm going to fall hard, but he makes sure the fall doesn't kill me. And not only will I stay down, but he reminds me, you're righteous, baby. Get back up again. Praise him that when you give up on yourself, he reminds you, get back up again. He's my, my parachute. I know I'm going to fall. Thank God I've got assistance when I fall. Because of the paraclete, I can get back up again. All right, Miss Otto, now you can. I'm just kidding. I can get back up because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to understand my assignment and I'm going to accomplish my assignment with assistance. Ladies and gentlemen, look at me real quick. Bishop T.D. Jakes cannot do everything he does without assistance. Bishop Tudor Bismarck in Africa cannot do what he does without assistance. Billy Graham couldn't do what he did without assistance. Let me think of maybe a preacher maybe you listen to. Maybe Stephen Furtick cannot do what he does without assistance. There is not one man or one woman that is shining right now for the kingdom that got there on their own. Moses couldn't do it on his own. Even Jesus knew, I've got to go back to the Father. So I'm going to send someone who's going to be with you forever because you can't do it on your own. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't assign me and then leave me without assistance. I have a paraclete. And God tells Moses this. This was Old Covenant, ladies and before the Holy Spirit was even there. God tells Moses this, I will be with you. Verse 12, I will be with you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, check this out, I love this. You will worship God right here on the same mountain. You'll come back to this place where I begin to speak. Back to this place where I showed you who you were. I'm bringing you back to this place where my presence is. When Adam messed up, we lost presence, the presence of God. When Jesus showed up, he brought back the presence of God. When the veil was torn, it released the presence of God. So God tells me, you're going to come back to where my presence is, and you're going to worship me right here. Of course, Moses protests. He says, if I go to the people and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, they will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Why? Because Egyptians had so many gods with so many different names. What God is, is sending you, you, Moses? What deity is sending you to us? What name should I tell them when they ask? And God replied in verse 14 to Moses, I am that I am. I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me. God also said to Moses, say this as well to the people of Israel. Yahweh, Yah, 
way. Or we know it in the Latin, Jehovah, 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 God, the Lord of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is the God that is sending me to you. This is my eternal name, Yahweh says, my name to be remembered for all generations. Ladies and gentlemen, there are times in your assignment where you will feel stuck. There are times in your assignment where you will feel confused. There are times in your assignment where you will want to quit and feel justified in giving up. There are times in your assignment when opposition will show up to try to stop God's plan. There are times in your assignment where you just sense nothing but hell and high water coming against you every step of your life. And when those moments come, God wants you to remember my eternal name. Remember this. I'm the God of the generations. I'm the God of the everlasting. And what he's simply trying to say is, I am who I am. So here's my fifth and final point today. Whenever I feel stuck, whenever I want to quit, whenever I don't feel like I'm enough, whenever I cannot remember who I am, I just remember this. Whenever I need Jehovah, Yahweh, the Almighty to be, he already is. Whatever I need him to be, he already is. It's a, it, I know it's not proper English, but he exists in an eternal state of isness. <laughs> he just is. He just is. So Moses protests. He says, why me? I, I don't even know what to tell them your name is. I hear you, but I don't even know what to tell them your name is. And God comes right back with you. Tell them, I am who I am. I am who I am. I am who I am. Not I could be. I am who I am. Not I, I hope to be. I am who I am. Not I used to be. I am who I am. Not someday I will be. No, I am who I am. Jesus said in John 8, before Abraham even was, I am. When they came to arrest him, they said, they, they were looking for Jesus. And Jesus said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. And they fell back to the ground. I am that I am. There's so much power in recognizing whatever I need God to be, he already is. He is immutable. That means he's unchanging. That means he's irremovable. That means he's unshakable. That means he's eternal. That means when I speak of Jesus, he can say it very proudly. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is who he is. The I am that I am. And he says, you tell the people this. You tell them Yahweh, Jehovah, my, my covenant name. Jehovah is his covenant name. You know what a covenant is? It's not a contract. I can get out of a contract. Yeah, I might suffer a lawsuit, but I can break a contract. You know what marriage is? It's become a contract. You know what it's meant to be biblically? A covenant. That means when times are good and you sexy and mm, yeah, 
And when times are bad and just like, what the heck am I waking up next to? I am in a covenant. We are flourishing. We're praying together and seeking God and everything is good. I'm in a covenant. And when I can't stand yourself and you haven't talked to me in two days and I'm doing great and you're not. I'm in a covenant. I feel like I'm talking to the men right now. She hasn't talked to me in two days, Pastor. I've never been so happy in my life. (laughs) But I'm in a covenant. This isn't a contract. This isn't something that's going to end in three years. This this is not, not, I'm not the Chicago Bulls trying to to sign some help for next year, ladies and gentlemen, that I only have for maybe one to, to four years. Hello. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. So God is a covenant God, and Jehovah is his covenant name. And when he makes a covenant, that means he's making an agreement. He's making an agreement. When he says, I covenant at Jehovah, he means I'm coming into agreement with you. When Jesus dies and sheds his blood, he is establishing a new covenant because he's coming into agreement with God's will for his life and ours. So God says, I covenant by my covenant name, Yahweh, Jehovah. And if you know anything about Jehovah, Jehovah is a prefix. This makes me happy because I'm a nerd. Jehovah is a prefix. God says, say this to the people, Moses. I covenant to be Jehovah blank. I'll say it again because you're going to catch this. Jehovah is a prefix. So God says, I covenant to be Jehovah blank. I am so exhaustive. I am so extensive. I am so infinite. I am so limitless that God is telling you, I can't even fill in the blanks for you. Instead, what's going to happen is you're going to walk upon a situation where you're going to need me to fill in the blank, and whatever you need me to be, I'm going to Jehovah fill in the blank. Ah, I need a provider. Ah, I'll be Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. I need peace. Oh, I'll be Jehovah Shama. I will, Shalom, I'll be your peace. I, I, Hey, yo, I need a healing. My body is racked with pain. You need a healing? I will be Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals every one of your infirmities and diseases. I need a right now, right here, present God. I'll be Jehovah Shama. The Lord is there. Somebody help me right now and just fill in the blank. What do you need Jehovah to be today? What do you need Jehovah to be today? I dare you to throw up your hands and fill in the blank with your faith right now. God, I need your blessing. God, I need your victory. God, I need your covering. God, I need your help. God, I need your deliverance. Somebody, don't just sit there and stare at me. Fill in the blank. If it isn't for you, then shake the person next to you and call on Jehovah to be there. Right now in this moment, fill in that blank because he covenants to be whatever we need him to be. He says, I already, I'm already there. I'm already there. And you know how I, I can tell how well you know somebody? 
You know how I can tell? It's about what you call them. You call him justice. He's my son. When he was in his mama's womb, I called him buddies. Not one, but I don't know why I was prophesying twins or something. I don't know. Buddies. My buddy. He's going to be 20 here in a couple months, and I still call him buddy. And I got to check myself. Good Lord, that, that, that was your name when you were in your mama's womb. How can I tell how well you know somebody? Paul, I, I call her Brenda. What do you call her, sir? Joe Chula. <laughs> yes, sir. And no one else better say that. Hello, someone. <laughs> Pastor Beto, I call her Miss Vini. What do you call her? Bay, right on. Hey, Bay. Hey. Amor. <laughs> how do I know how well you know them? By what you call them. There's a reason why some of you don't call him God. Because you don't know him. The big guy upstairs. The, the eternal one. You know, the one looking down on me. Where? Oh, you don't call him Yahweh. Because you don't know him as Yahweh. Oh, you don't call him Jehovah. Because you don't know him as Jehovah. But I know in this room here today, and I'm going to finish this right here, there are men and women that know him as God. And if you know him as healer, I can tell you know him by what you call him. If you know him as deliverer, I can tell you know him by what you call him. If you know him as the prince of peace, I can tell you know him by what you call him. If you know him as savior and friend, I can tell you know him that way by what? You call him. Put your hands together if you know the God of this book right here. I don't just know about him. I call him by what I know him. Stand your feet with me. Stand your feet with me. I love this room. Stand your feet with me.